Hello, you're listening to Spiritual Moments with Anna Lizzolo. In tonight's episode, we're going to do things a tad bit different. We're going to be having our presenter streamed live through Zoom. He goes by the name of Reverend Father Vitalis in your hobby. And he's going to be talking about retelling the story of David and Uriah, the road to conversion. This is a presentation he did for the proudly Catholic family, which I was the moderator. Sit back, relax, and get to enjoy the talk. in Genesis chapter 3 is an indication on what to do when we have fallen into sin. The account of the fall of our first parents have this to say. The woman saw that the fruit was good to eat, pleasant to the eyes, and desirable for the gaining knowledge. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then their eyes were opened, and both of them realized that they were naked. So they should leave of feet together and covered themselves. Genesis 3, 6 to 7. From this text, one remarks that the first reaction of Adam and Eve was to try to repair the evil that they noticed, namely, they are being naked. That was a good one. One can never fully pay for his or her sins, but one can make efforts to repair. And God, in the end, can complete the action. Adam and Eve took the right step, and God completed their action by making a garment of skin and clothing them with that. We have to begin, but it's God who completes the healing. However, there are other ways of reacting to sin that is contrary to what Adam and Eve did. And that is what we find in the story of David and Uriah. David, as we know, was a poor shepherd who had risen to glory and became the most powerful king of his time. Before God, he was a righteous man impeccable in seeking the face of God, that God said, I have found David my servant, the son of Jesse, who will do all my will, as of the apostle 13, 22. Before his people, David stood as a king and priest, and his fame has no limits. He was a successful man. It was at the height of his glory that the temptation to sin came knocking at his door. He sighted a beautiful man who was taking her birth, and the temptation began. With his authority as king, he summoned the woman to his palace. And of course, which woman can resist such a powerful king without losing her life? They were together, and uh, incidentally, something happened. The woman eventually took him and then had to inform the king. When the 
this happened, the king knew that he had his reputation to protect. He cannot just own up. It's normal. A king coming and say I committed adultery. No. David had to be smart about it. So he invited Uriah, the soldier, who was fighting at the war front and tried to push him to go home and sleep with his wife so that the pregnancy could become his. But that then fell as Uriah feared God. Then the temptation continued. David decided that the best way to cover up his crime would be for someone to die. Who then should die? David, after the question. The Sheba and the child, not at all. Then who? The only innocent person in the whole affair, Uriah, husband of Bathsheba, has to die. David wrote a letter and gave it to Uriah, who innocently carried his death sentence to jab the army commander. The instruction was simple. Place Uriah in front row, where the fighting is very fierce, then withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and died. Second Samuel 11, 15. The instruction was carried to the letter, and the problem of disgracing the king was settled without any suspicion. The king then went on to pose as the champion of the widow and married the wife of Uriah, thereby presenting himself as a good man who cared for the unfortunate widow of a gallant soldier who lost his life in the service of the king and the nation. He thereby continued the pursuit of the pleasure of the flesh in a legitimate manner without any suspicion. David then David deserved uh, an applause for this action. He, he handled the affair very well, but he has done exactly what he should not have done. Instead of repenting from his sin, he tried to cover up and in this way attracted the wrath of God upon himself and his family by shedding an innocent blood. The first temptation to which David fell is a temptation that could come to anyone, man or woman. We are easily tempted to satisfy the flesh. However, his decision to give in to this temptation was a personal decision. The first move after the consequence of his sin came out was to invite Uriah as we saw. That was a good step which he would have used to settle the problem from the beginning. But his intentions were not. David would have had a tete-a-tete with the young man during which he would have made a simple confession saying to him, Look, my dear, I saw your wife batting and was tempted to invite her to the palace. This went out of hand and I slept with her. She's totally innocent, but I'm guilty. I choose to tell you this myself so that you will not hear it from outside. Could you please forgive me from your hearts? I will find a way of making this up in a very great manner for you and your family. I suppose I know that I have truly wronged you. In my opinion, Uriah would have been humbled by the confession of the great king before him, a simple soldier, 
would have forgiven David, and David would have his own side promoted him in the army. The letter that spelled his death sentence would have been a letter announcing his promotion. We see how meanly David acted because he wanted to protect his ego. This David, who was so dear to God, who constantly served the Lord, in David, we see how a saint can become a devil within a short space of time. This becomes possible because he chose a big solution to a simple problem. Once you are engaged in the wrong cause, expect greater wrongs to follow. David's failure is a warning to those who have a reputation to protect. And who among us does not have a reputation to protect? We all have something to protect. With the reading of the story of David and Uriah, we see that there can be only one right action to take when one has fallen into grave sin. The action is humble recognition of one's faults and readiness to make reparation for the damages caused. To choose other cause is to increase the problem, as you can see with David. My dear brothers and sisters, as we wrap up our Lenten battle, try and come to terms with any sin, big or small, that you may have accepted as your traveling companion by consistently justifying your weakness and pretending that you have a right to be committing such sins because of the conditions in which you find yourself. Such justifiable conditions may include work, business, relationship, personality disposition, or past experiences of life. I know and I believe that sinless life is possible, and it is possible only to those who believe it. A constant, humble admission of fault before God and man really sets one free from the domination of any sin. There is no need, even in bondage, of covering up one sin when one can be free by owning them up. Yes, sincere desire to be free from sin starts somewhere and God will complete the work as he completed the first initiative of Adam and Eve when they realized that they were naked. God clothed them with skins instead of the leaves that they have made for themselves. My dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and may he make this holy week a very wonderful one for all of us. Thank you and God bless you. Hello, you're listening to Spiritual Moments with Analyzolo. Tonight's prayer in line with tonight's episode is from Psalm 18, David's song of victory. How I love you, Lord. You are my defender. The Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection, and with him I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. I call to the Lord and he saves me from my enemies. Praise the Lord. The danger of death was all around me. The waves of destruction rolled over me. 
the danger of death was around me, and the grave set its trap for me. In my trouble, I called to the Lord. I called to my God for help. In his temple, he heard my voice. He listened to my cry for help. Then the earth trembled and shook. The foundations of the mountains rocked and quivered because God was angry. Smoke poured out of his nostrils, consuming fire and burning coals from his mouth. He tore the sky apart and came down with a dark cloud under his feet. He flew swiftly on a winged creature. He traveled on the wings of the wind. He covered himself with darkness. Thick clouds full of water surrounded him. Hailstorms and flashes of fire came from the lightning before him and broke through the dark clouds. Then the Lord thundered from the sky and the voice of the Most High was heard. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. With flashes of lightning he sent them running. The floor of the ocean was laid bare and the foundation of the earth were covered. When you rebuke your enemies, Lord, and roared at them in anger. The Lord reached down from above and took hold of me. He pulled me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies and from all those who hate me. They were too strong for me. When I was in trouble, they attacked me, but the Lord protected me. He helped me out of danger. He saved me because he was pleased with me. The Lord rewards me because I do what is right. He blesses me because I am innocent. I have obeyed the law of the Lord. I have not turned away from my God. I have observed all his laws. I have not destroyed his commands. He knows that I am faultless, that I have kept myself from doing wrong. And so he rewards me because I do what is right, because he knows that I am innocent. O Lord, you are faithful to those who are faithful to you, completely good to those who are perfect. You are pure to those who are pure, but hostile to those who are wicked. You save those who are humble, but you humble those who are proud. O Lord, you give me light, you dispel my darkness, you give me strength to attack my enemies and power to overcome their defenses. This God, how powerful are his deeds, how dependable his words. He is like a shield for all who seek his protection. The Lord alone is God. God alone is our defense. He is the God who makes me strong, who makes my path safe. He makes me sure-footed as a deer. He keeps me safe on the mountains. He trains me for battle so that I can use the strongest bow. O Lord, you protect me and save me. Your care has made me great, and your power has kept me safe. You have kept me from being captured, and have never fallen. I pursue my enemies and catch them. I do not stop until I destroy them. I strike them down and they cannot rise. They lie defeated before me. You give me strength for the battle and victory over my enemies. You make my enemies run from me. I destroy those who hate me. They cry for help, but no one saves them. They call to the Lord, but he does not answer. I crush them so, so that they become like dust, which the wind blows away. I trample on them like mud in the streets. You saved me from a rebellious people, 
you made me ruler over the nations. People I did not know have now become my subjects. Foreigners bow before me. When they hear me, they obey. They lose their courage and come trembling from their fortresses. The Lord lives. Praise my defender. Praise the greatness of the God who saves me. He gives me victory over my enemies. He subdues the nations under me and saves me from my foes. O Lord, you give me victory over my enemies and protect me from violent people. And so I praise you among the nations. I sing praise to you. God gives great victories to his king. He shows constant love to the one he has chosen, to David and his descendants forever. Amen. Hello, you're listening to Spiritual Moments with Anna Lizzardo. In this episode, our guest speaker is Reverend Father Vitalis Enaihobi. He was ordained in 1998. He worked for four years in Czech Republic and studied moral theology and history in France, of which he has a PhD in theology, moral theology, and history. He lectured in Tensi Major Seminary on Nietzsche for five years. He is presently working as the Deputy Secretary General of the Reunion of the Episcopal Conferences of West Africa, also known as RICOA. Thank you.